Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. I'm B. Dave Walters. You might know me from Dungeons and Dragons, A Darkened Wish, Vampire the Masquerade, L.A. by Night, and Long Beach by Night, and Battlelords of the 23rd Century. But the thing I am most proud of is having been on the Something Something cast. Okay, here we go. Something, something. Okay, here we go. Welcome, everybody. It is time yet again for another blocktacular episode of the Something Something Cast. Something Something Cast. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. Now, normally, this is where we banter back and forth, talk about how our day has been, but we have a special guest waiting in the wings. So, Rob, take it away. Uh, we have recently become very huge fans of uh, a show called Lego Masters. You can find on Fox. You can find on Hulu. Uh, it's a great show. Started looking through some of the contestants. Uh, found one in particular we reached out to. And amazingly, as fate would have it, uh, they responded back. And we managed to get them on the show. And they are. We are joined today by the amazing, talented Jessica Ragsy Ewood from Lego Masters. Welcome, Jessica. It is an honor to have you on the show with us today. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you today? Oh, I'm I'm great. Thanks for... Oh, you, you met Jessica. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Um, just kind of... You know, working on the art and everything. Yeah, being inside has been really weird, actually, because my life has not really changed that much. Because um, I'm a full-time artist, so I'm at home and in my studio every day anyway. So, um, yeah, it's it's really strange to see how uh, everyone else is in lockdown. It's affecting them so much, and I feel like it's affecting me in a different way because I'm used to being at home all the time. And so at the time of recording this, uh, you have made it to the semifinals. And maybe the finals. We'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> right. As you watch the show, yours and Sam's builds just, they keep getting bigger and better and more fantastic. You know, from the viewer at home, it clearly looks like you guys are having a blast. Was, was the experience as fun as it looks uh, for the viewing audience? Yeah, it, it was... Man, Lego Masters was so amazing. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. We worked really hard on our builds. I don't know if you could tell <laughs> from watching. There's no way we could not. Um, yeah, Lego Masters was was really, truly amazing. And um, I feel very fortunate 
to have been a part of that competition. So do you remember, if you think back, can you remember, you know, what was your first experience, your first memories with Lego as a kid? That's a great question, actually. So I, unlike um, a lot of the contestants, I did not play with Lego as a child. Um, I was actually told by one of my teachers that I couldn't play with Lego because Lego was for boys. It was in the boys section of, of the toys. And um, I wanted to play with it. And I was told I couldn't. And I had put it out of my mind. It didn't like affect my life or anything. I'd put it out of my mind for like 20 plus years. And then when I found myself as a full-time, you know, professional artist, I really started taking my artwork uh, to the next level. Mm -hmm. And I did some soul searching. And out of nowhere, I had this dream that I made this art piece out of Lego. Uh, It's called Lego Lincoln. And I thought it was so brilliant that the next day I went out and I bought the materials to make it and I made it. And it is to date my top selling piece. Uh, My big Lego Lincoln is currently on display in Rockefeller Center in New York City. So cool. And it it just kind of came to me and I was like, wow, this is so weird. Like why Lego? Um, It was so random to me because I didn't buy Lego or shop with Lego. And I had remembered that from being a child. And I think that was like the first time in my life I was told I couldn't be creative. I mean, this is the perfect um, revenge. Yeah, I know. And it, it resonated with me like 20 plus years later, started making Lego art. And then I ended up on Lego Masters. Who knew? I did not know. I would not have seen that coming. <laughs> so we've mentioned it a few times, your art and the, the work you do outside of Lego Masters. So we should, you know, take a brief minute to stop and tell people that you have a website full of your artwork, full of your creations. If they go to ragsyart.com, R-A-G-Z-Y-A-R-T, they can follow yeah. along. Cruise the website while they're listening along to the podcast. (laughs) It's an interactive experience. So we just had episode eight just recently aired, the whole good and evil episode uh, into the top three. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, This was not always. Now, granted, there were only four teams going into this. So uh, clearly there were going to be two very strong teams that would end up in the bottom two. Uh, But prior to that, you guys have been going pretty strong for the past couple of weeks, but that wasn't kind of always the case the first couple episodes were a little little dicey for for you and sam what kind of feeling did you have going from like the nail bitingness of uh, this could be the time that we leave to transitioning into like one of the strongest teams on the show well i always saw the value in our team uh going into it i mean I have a decade of experience in art, um, working with Lego in art and designing things. And I also have a business background, a business background. So I have, I feel confident in my strategy abilities. And if you combine that with my partner skill set, which he has 20 years experience making toys, that's a deadly combination in my opinion. So I was really thrilled. Uh, I was really thrilled for this team um, because the dynamic of the skill set, the talent, I, I believe, was there from the very beginning. And in the, the first two episodes, I was nervous because I knew how talented we were. And I was so scared that the world was never going to get to see that. So I'm so glad that we ended up getting to stay. And then we really brought it. Episode three, we're like, okay, we need to show 
you know, the brick masters that we deserve to be here. Um, and we made that beautiful mermaid sculpture. And it was one of my favorite things we made on the show. That mermaid sculpture was ridiculous. Thank like, you. The, the, the amount of detail that you guys put in there, uh, the whole the whole concept of something cut in half and we're going to do two different halves of two different things and, and merge them together was kind of out there from the beginning, but to put the kind of, I'll say mundane detail that you would see on a fire hydrant on one side. And then when that thing flipped around to see all of the uh, amazing abstract detail that you guys put into that mermaid, that, that it, you are absolutely right. That is definitely the episode that put you guys on the map. Cause that was ridiculous. Thank you. Yeah, I loved it. And we're so happy the brick. Well, we like, I like the element of surprise. That's one of my strategies too. I always feel like it's better to downplay your skills so you can surprise the judges later. Whereas if they already think you're a strong team, they're expecting a lot from you already. So they were shocked when they saw that mermaid. I mean, they were blown away. They were like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. I know they didn't show all the feedback they gave on the show, but I think they did show the end there. Their feedback was fantastic in midway. Um, they were like, well, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> um, so I was so happy. And I was so happy we got the hydrant because we had to run for an object. And I wanted that fire hydrant so bad. That is the one I wanted. And I think Sam wanted the globe. Really? Um, but luckily, we were in the back row. And Crystal ran over and nabbed that globe like immediately. And the hire, the fire hydrant, by the time I got there, was still available. So I ripped it off the table. I was like, we are getting this fire hydrant. Um, <laughs> it was such a dynamic that, piece. Yeah. yeah. Mark what and actually... weren't so lucky. See, they got no one wanted that laptop and they got stuck with it because they didn't. Um, they were going for the cuckoo clock, but Flynn like ripped the cuckoo clock off the table. It's really funny. I loved watching that on a TV because that was very real when we were racing for the the objects. Uh, it was really funny. What actually happens to those builds when you guys are done with them? Like at the end of the day when the lights go off, what what do they do with those? They break them down. Um, they, it's very sad, but they break them down and recycle them back into the brick pit. Because if you think about it, all the Lego from all the builds on the show, we've, I mean, there's 3 million bricks on that brick set. And we used a lot of them. There wouldn't have been enough uh, bricks for us to use if they didn't keep breaking them down. Because each build we had had thousands and thousands of bricks in it. So they needed to recycle them. So tragically, they um, did take the builds apart after gotcha. it was very sad probably much better to do that after episode two when they were blowing stuff up anyway and it was <laughs> exactly all, all yeah. pieces to begin with actually fun fact too when we the next challenge when we were going to the brick pit to grab our bricks a lot of the bricks were like bricks were like smoked and charcoaled because they were from whoever had dynamite like uh, the Lego piece Mel and Jermaine did uh, was purple. And there were so many purple bricks that were charcoaled and like smoked because of that dynamite. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. So we're like, we know where this was. <laughs> this was part of this. Oh, now I want to watch the show closer to look for charred blocks and other builds. <laughs> One of the things I'm super enjoying about the show is midway through your builds, they're, they're hitting you with some crazy new twist, changes your builds. 
how do you prepare for that? Yeah, we don't know any of that. Like it is kind of how you see on TV. We don't even know what the challenge is till we walk in there and see what's in front. Like we have no idea. It's a complete surprise every time. We have no idea there's a twist. We have no idea. So every time they gave us a twist, we were surprised. I mean, people, after the first one, people started predicting it. They're like, maybe there'll be a twist, but you couldn't rely on that because there it wasn't guaranteed. So you had to, you know, compete with whatever challenge was in front of you at that time, you know, to do, to be successful. Sure. So, um, so yeah, it was interesting. Like we didn't know the challenges. We didn't know those kids were going to be there. We had no idea. Like Terry Crews breaking through a wall. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. We were la- I was laughing so hard when that happened. I think they got some of it because it was just so silly and so random. And he just kicks through the wall and no one was expecting him to be there. And then Boone goes, that's Terry Crews. <laughs> and I'm like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? We did not expect that to happen. It was so, he's really funny, by the way. He's hilarious. I've heard he's legit one of the nicest guys in Hollywood. He is. He's really funny and really nice. And uh, I actually... Um, hijacked a piece of the wall he broke and I brought it home with me. (laughs) I have a broken piece of that wall with me that he touched because I just love that episode so much. Nice. Okay, so um, by the time we're recording this, you are going into the semifinals. Congratulations. Congratulations. Top three. Awesome. Uh, We know that your next challenge is Star Wars. It's obviously huge property. Die Hard Pedigree, and I know you can't spoil or give any spoilers, but can you tell us a little bit about that challenge and how that went? We had no idea. So when the entire cast walked in and we saw it was Star Wars, you can tell by the reaction on our faces in the previews, we were all so stoked. (laughs) Um, It's going to be a great episode because everyone is obsessed with Star Wars as you saw from the commercials, we have some special guests, including R2-D2, BB-8, mm-hmm. and um, C-3PO. So it's going to be a really fun <laughs> episode. That is what I can say. Apart from it being uh, a semi-final challenge and knowing that you know the winners were, were going on to compete for it all... Was there additional pressure knowing that it was a Star Wars themed thing? Because if you kind of look back at all the other episodes, none of the other episodes that I can remember as I'm as I'm thinking about them had like a specific brand to it. You know, it was give us a, a comedy movie or an action movie or a Western or a storybook or, you know, uh, a bridge. But it was all all your own kind of creative design, knowing that you were going into a challenge that had a specific brand and mythos and fan base to it. Was there any additional pressure in the build that you were doing to like, look, we have to make this super right for a completely different reason. Oh, absolutely. And just so you know, Boone and Tyler are star Wars mega fans and Sam Not and I know this. Yeah, and Sam and I know this. Like we're, I, you know, I'm a fan, but I'm hesitant to call myself a mega fan. Um, our mega fans. So we were like, oh, because Star Wars is huge, and then on top of it, both our competitors are are giant fans of the franchise. 
Um, so yeah, so it would, there was a lot of added pressure. Plus it's the semifinals, you know, we want to go to the finals. We want to win and we are competing against not only two teams that are amazing builders, we're competing against two teams that are obsessed with star Wars. Um, you know, I have not seen all of the new films, the Star Wars films, shame on me, but I've seen several of them. Um, but I know that the art competitor teams were super mega fans. So it definitely added a lot of pressure um, for us before the challenge began. Going into the judging for the Good and Evil episode, it's you and Sam against three other very strong teams. You've got Mark and Boone, you've got Tyler and Amy, and you've got Aaron and Christian. Aaron and Christian were previous Golden Brick holders. Uh, Mark and Boone had the Golden Brick. Uh, Tyler and Amy had very strong builds over a fairly good period of time uh, from the beginning of the series. How did you guys feel going into the judging for that? about your odds of actually making it into the final three? Like, what was it like knowing that you had these other three teams you were going up against and were waiting to get judged on? Well, I think what's fascinating about our team is I believe we were perceived as the underdogs from the very beginning because we feel like we blew the first two challenges. You know, I think once we got our skill sets together, you know, I believe in the value of our skills. And I do think they were competitive with the other three teams. Um, that being said, those three teams had amazing builds all season. You know, Sam and I have been in the top two a few times. Um, uh -huh. We have good builds all season too. So yeah, the, com the competition was tough. I think going into it with the three teams before, it, I personally knew it was a superhero-oriented challenge, good versus evil. I think um, we were nervous because the teams are so good at this point. And it comes to the point too where a great build is going to go home. There's only four teams left. These are the four teams that have made it and beat out all these other very talented teams. So we knew from this point out a great build, unless somebody completely blew it, a great build was going to go home this episode. And we knew that that build was not going to be Boone and Mark because they had the golden brick. So yep. we focused on just beating Tyler and Amy and Aaron and Christian. Going into it, we were nervous because their skills. But when I found out it was a superhero challenge... I found it very interesting and I saw a glimmer of hope for us because, you know, my partner has experience making superheroes. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. So I was actually like, okay, we m might have a possibility. And then when I saw that, I was like, oh, maybe not. Let's see what this is about. And, um, you know, and he went and grabbed, he really loves that uh, gardener with the uh, flamingo. <laughs> and um, I tried to grab something that I thought would go with it. That's why I grabbed Shower Guy, because they both had like a water element to them. And I was thinking what our theme could be. And it ended up working really well for a team. And then so going into the judging, though, we were nervous because everyone's so good at this point. And here's the thing why we were nervous. We we think our build was really good too. And actually they, you know, they can't show all the feedback the judges give on the show because of limited time, but the judges actually gave Sam and I really good feedback on our 
build when they were reviewing it. Um, they really liked our vehicles, which was the bubble uh, scrub brush helicopter. And uh, Sam made a little ladybug vehicle. They loved that we hand built our armies for the build. And you could totally tell it was Shower Guy, the superhero. Like you could totally tell it was a bathroom. You right. could totally tell they liked it because they said you could totally tell he was the hero and that Boone and Marks were the villains. So we actually got really good reviews. So we were feeling like, oh, this is going to be interesting because it seems like everyone was getting really good reviews. So we didn't know what was going to happen. We knew it was going to be close, but we knew we had a chance at staying because we had one good reviews and we really liked our build. But, you know, that being said, Aaron and Christian were uh, very talented builders, you know, are very talented builders. So, I mean... But I think when we were staying there during the judging and listening to everything, we felt like there was a chance we could actually have been in the top two oh, because, we, you know, the audience is only seeing us in the bottom two. But that's what I'm saying. At that point, there's only four teams. All the builds are great to have to go in the bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, to go to the top. <clears throat> All the builds are great. But we thought we actually had a chance of being in the top two. With I'll that tell you, team, as a. Go ahead. As a as a viewer, for me, uh, if you kind of think of it in almost like a like a gymnastics kind of competition, where the more challenging uh, what you're trying to do is, kind of the the higher the the grade they can they give you for it. If you look at uh, Tyler and Amy and Aaron and Christian, their minifigs that they had were kind of like heroic archetypes. Yeah, they leaned into You know, you've got like you've got the jungle adventure that kind of, you know, harkens to the whole Indiana Jones thing. You've got the the mummy queen, you had the the space bounty hunter. And then you've got you guys that have, you know, the the teddy bear and pizza costume guy for Mark and Boone who are safe anyway, you know, and they pretty much know it going in. And you guys have gardener and shower guy <laughs> as a viewer watching I'm thinking, Jesus, they're going to have a hell of a harder time making Shower Guy and Gardner look like superheroes than any of the other people are going to. So the fact that you guys went into that build partnering with Mark and Boone to make that whole uh, diorama of the good and evil and the battle going on and make that feel like a heroic and epic battle between the forces of good and evil – was in in my opinion a much bigger accomplishment than Tyler and Amy and Aaron and Christian did, even though their builds were great. It's almost like they had they had the easier time of it because their minifigs seemed so heroic to begin with. So I definitely had to give the four of you guys props for doing that awesome build that you did with those figures that you did. So I'm sure that factored into a lot of it in the judges' minds too. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, I mean, we definitely think it was more difficult to do Shower Guy and his mom versus pizza because you've never seen it before. But that right. is why the judges loved it, because it was yep. so creative. It was, you know, I can just talk about ours. It was so creative. It was so original. You have never seen Shower Guy, the superhero, battling with his bubbles. You know what I mean? It was so original. And you could totally tell the theme. You could look at it and be like, this is a shower guy 
who is some kind of superhero. You could like look at it and you knew exactly what it was. And that's really big um, with the judges. And you see them say it on the episodes. It needs to tell the story by itself. Yeah, They yep. have to be able to look at it without you explaining what's going on and know exactly what's going on. So, you know, Sam and I picked up on that very early in the competition. Um, you know, so we, we definitely listened uh, to that feedback from the Brickmasters and made sure that our builds every time told the story and you knew exactly what it was without us explaining it. The Brickmasters, I think their criticism of Aaron and Christian's was, Without them explaining it, they didn't understand it. I think, you know, if I remember correctly, that is one of the reasons why they may have been sent home. Because it's not just about building. The criteria for winning is creativity, storytelling, and technical ability. It's all three. So mm -hmm. if you don't have this, the story's not clear um, and it's not super creative, you're more likely to go home. Um, so we knew that Sam and I knew that. So we always tried to play to our strengths make sure that the story's clear, make sure it's super creative and they, you know, shower guy, that's super creative. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, we were thrilled. We were in the semifinals and I remember we were so shocked just because there's, you know, we're among now like the final four. We were so shocked and thrilled. I think we both started shaking, but I don't think you can tell on television, but literally like just could not like with like, all kinds of feelings. Like we're excited for us, but felt terrible for Aaron and Christian because they had been so close. Like just a, a total mix of emotions, you know, because they are good builders and they are very talented. But at this point in the competition, like the slightest mistake sends you home, unfortunately, because everyone's so good. Yeah, from maybe from the technical standpoint, they might have been the strongest when it came to pure technicality. Um, but when they showed the, the soap bubbles washing the pizza off the people and the giant bathtub, you know, it was as a fan of old school indie comics, you know, early nineties, black and white teenage Ninja turtle style, old school comics. I would read the hell out of a shower guy gardener. That sounds so funny. Thank so. you. Yeah. Yeah. We loved it too. And we made it. We're so glad we were partnered with Boone and Mark because their characters were equally as silly. So in a weird way, even though it was challenging to make those superheroes and villain, it kind of worked because yeah. our whole battle was kind of silly. There was this kind of like humor, you know, childlike humor about it. And I think that really, um, that really helped us out. Yeah. It felt like it came right out of like uh, the tick. If you ever watched that, it just, I have not. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Apart from the, very creative builds that you guys come up with. Uh, you also have a very distinct personal style that you bring to the show with the dresses and the hair bows and stuff like that. Uh, if you go to your website, uh, you sell those bows now. Talk to us a little bit about how that whole thing came about, how the interest in that came up. Yeah, sure. So I wore the bows on Lego Masters as a symbol to empower women and girls in the fields of uh, STEAM D, which is science, technology, engineering, art, mathematics, and design. 
Um, also known as Women in STEM, NASA actually added the A and D for art and design quite recently. Um, that's why I wore it. Um, it's kind of a symbol, a reminder to empower, you know, women and girls in those fields. And then as an artist, it's also an artist empowerment bow. I had a hidden word in my bow every week, which was about my journey of becoming a full-time artist. So episode one says dream. Um, that was the courage it took for me to follow the dream of becoming an artist. And then episode two, I think I wear hope. And that's about hoping I would make it in a cutthroat industry. So they had a really symbolic meaning to them. I wasn't planning on selling them. I didn't, that never crossed my mind. I just wore them for other reasons. And then after the show had aired, I had so many people messaging me saying they wanted those bows or saying that they wanted an art piece from me, but they're not an art collector and they couldn't afford the art. So I wanted to offer something to people that they could buy. And, um, you know, that is symbolic of me, of my art um, and of women. And I've sold a bunch of them already and people are really happy. They were like, thank you for doing this um, because it, it's special to them. They love those hair bows. So I just listen to the fans. They're like, we want these bows. <laughs> They're super cute. Thank and you. Super I reasonable. think so. They're a two-in-one too. So the word is a detachable. So they could wear oh, just neat. the bow, the bow with the word dream in it, or just the word dream. So it's like a two for one, which is cool. And there's different colors and all different words on my website. So people can just pick the one that they like the best. And I also I recently started carrying men's bow ties. Because oh, I saw. so many men were like, we want bow ties. So I just added those and they're really cute. They're bow ties with a little Lego stud in the middle. So you could, you know, build a scene right on top of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I love the bows as a symbol of women's empowerment. That's great. Did that feeling of representation increase the longer the show went on as you became one of the, the competitors near the end? Definitely. I mean, women... The thing with uh, women in general is women are underrepresented in those industries, in the industries of STEAM, D, you know, women in STEM, um, you know, and Lego, um, you know, teaches, uh, you know, they have all these programs with Lego to teach kids STEM at a young age. Um, so there is a lot of that involved in Lego building. So it was really nice to get that um, representation and to show that there are very talented women builders, too. It's, it's not just men. So, I mean, I'm very fortunate and grateful that I made it as far as I did thus far. So far, so good. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I was there to represent myself as an artist, and I was also there to represent women in those fields. And I feel like I was successful at doing that, and that means the world to me. I'll say, just from personal experience, Lego Time with the Family has just been one of those great things, whether we're doing a build or whether we're just goofing off with bricks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's Lego is for everyone. Um, it can be anything. And I think that was the nice dynamic that I personally um, brought to the show. They loved that I was an artist and that I was doing something with Lego that was very different. Um, they said they hadn't seen before. I'm not talking about mosaics because I do know other artists do mosaics at a Lego, but I do other art pieces at a Lego that are not necessarily mosaics. Um, you know, I feel like 
some of my artwork is very unique in the way that I use Lego and they saw the value in that. And um, I feel really fortunate to be part of the show. So you, you talk a lot about your artwork and uh, the female empowerment. You're uh, kind of inspired and influenced by uh, a pretty important female artist too. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm inspired by um, a number of different artists, but Yayoi Kusoma, who is one of my favorite artists, she's a Japanese artist, um, she is known for her polka dots and her dots painting. She does a lot of art that is um, replicated dots and such, and I actually wore the polka dot dresses on the show. There were three of them, a black polka dot one. Um, a blue and black and a red and white. And those were actually a tribute to her because she is one of my favorite artists that is alive. Um, Luckily, but she can still make these beautiful, beautiful pieces and sculpture. So when you look at your art, you see a lot of repeated themes. You see the geodes, you see poker chips. What drew you to continue using Lego? Lego, just how I told you, I just dreamed it one day. And the Lego is very symbolic in my artwork The Lego symbolizes the building blocks of something. So Lincoln, to me, Abraham Lincoln, is the building blocks of civil rights um, in America. And uh, Marilyn Monroe, uh, to me, is the building blocks of modern-day Hollywood glam. Um, I've done a tribute to Coco Chanel, who, to me, is building blocks of women's fashion today. You know, women didn't really wear pants before um, Coco Chanel. So... They do mean something. They're not just there. And I think that's why my art has resonated with art collectors and they really, really love it. Oh, I love that. The idea of seeing, you know, the Lego blocks as a basic structure and then comparing it to a pop culture or a social or even a fashion icon. That's why I love talking to artists about their work because I don't think I would have picked up on that fundamentally. But hearing you explain it, it makes so much sense. And it's a very, very cool way of looking at it. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's why I resonated. That's why I only do certain things with Lego. Um, I've actually turned projects down, um, commissions down, if if I don't feel it fits within the sphere of my work, you know, my artwork, because I take my artwork very seriously. Um, you know, I won't simply won't do it because it does have that meaning behind it. Um, So I like to gravitate towards things that are iconic when I do Lego. I have a lot of Lego work that I've done that is a reference to Andy Warhol, um, one of my favorite artists as well, um, because to me, he is one of the building blocks of modern contemporary pop art. I mean, he really changed um, the face of the arts with his new technologies and strategies and really questioned uh, what art was. And so that's why I do some of the Warhol pieces. So yeah, there's a, there's a message behind everything that I do. I, I, I like to hide messages, whether they're written or hidden in a different way in all of my pieces. And that's why I hid those words in my hair bow. So you you do uh, commission work, as you said. You do uh, work that you've done that people can purchase off your website. That you can talk about what's the biggest, holy crap, this person owns my stuff that you've had uh, since you've done the whole full-time professional art thing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's really been amazing for me at first. You know, when I first started out as an artist, I was like super scared, but I've really built momentum over the years. And I've been fortunate to have my artwork um, hanging in galleries with legends like Salvador Dali, um, Andy Warhol. Um, one of the pictures on my Instagram is one of my Marilyn Monroe Lego pieces next to an invitation that was created by Andy Warhol. Um, I had an art show that was shared with Jerry Garcia. Um, it's just really, really incredible. And I think because of the success of my art, I have attracted some really awesome collectors, ones I can't name because of client confidentiality. Sure. But I did have uh, one of the, I, I have a few, uh, two billionaire clients and one of them I absolutely idolize. And just to know that, my one of my art pieces is in that person's possession. It was ecstatic for me. I feel like when I sold that piece to this particular person, that is actually when I felt that I had really made it as an artist. Um, this was before Lego Masters. I was like, wow, like I am an artist. You know <laughs> what I mean? It was just overjoyed because oh, when course. you have somebody who you view as very important or an important collector, and then they see the value in what you do. It's just so special and so rewarding. And I'm really grateful for it. And then, of course, with Lego Masters took me to a whole nother level and and opened uh, me up to a whole different demographic of people, of Lego lovers, of AFL. And um, I started doing um, entry-level pieces because I had so many people say they wanted to buy a piece of art from me, but they didn't have the budget for it. Um, I started doing smaller art pieces that I consider for entry level collectors. So people who are just looking to get into art and those you can get for, you know, $500 and under, I have some very small pieces that are a hundred dollars. So people can afford them or if they really, really save for it. Um, you know, it is something they can own of mine. So that's something I recently started as well after the show. Uh, do you have any messages for upcoming artists who want to try to get into that? You, like you said yourself, you were a little, uh, a little scared and timid about it the kind of the first time you did it. Anything you can throw out there for people who are looking to try to take that next step and get into it? I think you just have to commit to what you love. Um, if you don't do what you love, you won't stick to it and you won't be successful. And you, I would say the key this is just my own personal opinion. Um, the key to success as an artist, I feel, is being original. And if you're doing your own ideas and creating your own thing, it'll always be original because it's from you. Um, I do see, you know, in the art world, um, people get inspired, but I feel like there's a fine line between being inspired and then just trying to replicate somebody else's style. And I think replicating a style just because you think it's going to be successful is the wrong way to go because I know many of those people aren't successful because they're not, they're not really doing it for them. Um, it's not personal to them and it seems not to resonate with, with people either. I feel like when you create art, it should be something very personal to you you shouldn't make it just because, and I mean, you can, you can make stuff just because you think it's cool. But I think if you're trying to be successful, if you're trying to be successful in the arts, I feel like you have to do something very personal to you and you can't be scared to do it. Um, like when I first did that first Lego piece, I was like, 
are people going to think this is cheesy? Really? You know, I didn't know people were going to like it. I didn't know if people were going to like say bad things about it. Like, Oh, what is that? She put Lego on an art piece. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know people were going to like it. I was actually, um, you know, there were seconds where I was maybe scared to even show it. And, but then I knew I have to be true to myself as an artist. There's a reason why I made this because I love it. And you stand by that. And I showed it and it ended up being a huge hit. Like, you know what I mean? So you never know. But at first I was like, oh, are people not going to see this as art because there's Lego in it? And um, I, I questioned that and I was happy that the response was good, but it doesn't always happen like that. There's things that I've made that um, gallerists have told me they simply do not like and, and they don't think it's good. And um then I'll show a different gallerist and they'll love it and they'll think it's great. So I think it's art's very subjective. Um, so you just got to stick to you. You got to stick to what you love. So you said at, at the beginning, you didn't think that people may look at stuff like Lego as art. Uh, and that has obviously changed. You feel that that has, it did, is that something that you feel that you've learned about your art and your style as the show has progressed and become more popular, do you think that that kind of mixed media involving the Legos and incorporating them into art or standalone art pieces, uh, is that something that has grown? Um, from me, definitely. I mean, I've definitely grown as an artist over the years since I started. I have learned so much. Um, everyone is an artist, totally you know, agree. in my opinion, everyone is an artist. But I think, you know, to be successful as an artist, I feel like you need to be knowledgeable of um, artists of the past and what's going on in current markets. And I have learned so much. I did not know all these things when I first started out. I knew nothing. OK, I knew I could paint and draw and was creative. And that's it. Um, you know, I thought I knew much more than I actually did. And I've learned so much over the years. Um, you know, from going to museums, to different art exhibitions, to show, showcasing my art in various places. I've really grown as an artist. I've learned so much and learned that anything um, can really be an art media. And, um, you know, I'm so thankful that my, you know, my Lego series was, was popular on top of my other works. My other works are, are popular too, because people like them because they're unique. Um, that's why I think people gravitate toward my work and why I've been successful with it. But I'm, I'm still learning. I do not know anything. I mean, the art world is so big. And I mean, when I say I don't know anything, I mean, the art world is so big and there's thousands of deceased artists and there's so many periods and there's other countries and there are, and there's just so much I can learn every single day. Um, so I try and learn every single day, you know, um, about the arts and continue to learn and it'll never end because artists are so alive and creating new things every day. So it's a constant, uh, um, it's a constant um, learning cycle. Um, I've learned quite a ton from going to Art Basel, which is, if you don't know what that is or the audience doesn't know what that is, it's it's the number one art show in the world. Um, it takes place uh, overseas and comes to America, Miami every year in December. And they take um, some of the best artists from all across the world um, you know, both deceased artists and alive and they showcase and, and I mean, art Basel is huge. It has 
all kinds of art. You're going to see everything. If something exists in the arts, you're going to see it at Art Basel. And um, I've just learned so much just from attending that and participating in that. Yeah, I can relate to that in, in my own sphere. I wrote a novel a couple of years ago and I was told, you know, the first half is writing the book, but that's like the first half. And I didn't get it until I was mired in rejection letters and sending out hundreds of emails a week and, and getting through that process. It's such a such a beast. So I can really relate to the idea of, of not knowing until you're immersed in it. Now, when you got home from Lego Masters, did, did you look at your pile of Legos and was like, eh, let, me, let me take a break, I need a breath? Or were you just dive right back in, get back to work, get back to art, get back to Lego? No. Yeah, no, I'm a full-time professional artist. So I was going to town making stuff the second I got back. I mean, I was doing that before the show. Um, I always say this to people because they see me on TV now, you know, and I've, you know, acquired a new sense of fame. But I was a starving artist before the show. I was a starving artist during the show. And I'm going to be a starving artist <laughs> after the show. Reach. I'm going to be a starving artist till the day I die. You know, and if I work really, really hard, there's a chance I won't be a starving artist. But some of the best artists, even of our past, you know, they didn't make money till they were dead. <laughs> um you know, so I will always continue to create. I'm in my art studio every day. I create every day. I think it's very important, um, whether it's Lego or a painting. I think it's important for artists to create something every day um, and uh, come up with new ideas and, and share them. So, yeah, no, I was back at it the second I got back. It's really addicting. It was, sure. It's really addicting, actually, building structural things from Lego. It totally is. You had mentioned towards the beginning of the show, you hadn't really gotten involved a lot with Lego when you were, when you were younger, uh, boys, toys, fast forward to 20 years. Here we are now. If we go 20 years from here and you get to run into the Jessica Ragsy Ewood of 2040 and you <laughs> see everything that she's accomplished between now and then, what is the one thing that you're hoping to be the most proud that you've accomplished between now and the next 20 years? That's a good one. Um, I mean, the goal for me as an artist is to leave some sort of legacy, so to speak. I think that is the artist's dream. I think that is every artist's dream that, that sure. their art lives on with a message. Um, and, so that would be my goal, you know, in 20 years from now, I'm still alive, that, I, that I'm achieving that, that I'm creating some kind of message, um, that, my life, that my artwork takes on a life of its own and, um, you know, is out there as much as possible. That is the goal. That's the dream. And I hope in 20 years from now, I look back and I'm like, wow, look at all I did in the last 20 years. I want to do more. I all, I'm always the type of person I always want to do more. Like nothing's ever at the point where it's like, okay, I'm done. Um, there's always something else to do. There's always a new opportunity. And if there isn't, I create my own opportunities. So I just hope, that I can, yeah, I hope I just continue to grind and continue to get my artwork out there. And just, I would love for it to take on a life of its own where people are trading it. It was here and now it's in New Zealand and now it's in Canada. Um, you know, that's the goal and the dream. So I hope I achieve quite a bit of that within 20 years. 
previously you had talked about one of the biggest art things is kind of leaving a legacy that your art lives on after you and that it gets uh, bigger and bigger and kind of takes on a life of its own. And we talked about some inspiration that you have as an artist. Uh, you're kind of working on doing both in uh, the Hope Challenge. So why don't you talk to us and to our listeners about what the Hope Challenge is and how they can kind of follow along and watch that and maybe even get involved. Sure. Yeah. So I launched a challenge called the Ragsy Hope Challenge. Um, believe it or not, that hashtag was not taken. <laughs> 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 the Ragsy Hope Challenge. And artists of all media can participate and upload their submission under that hashtag Ragsy Hope Challenge. That's R-A-G-Z-Y Hope Challenge. And I'll be picking several winners and giving out a variety of prizes. The goal is for artists to express what it is like to hope, dream, or love in their art piece. Um, so far, we've gotten so many submissions. We've gotten music. We've gotten poetry. We've gotten glass. We've gotten paintings. We've gotten Lego. It's really whatever media uh, you want. And uh, winners will be gifted either one of my uh, signature bows or a bow tie um, and some other prizes as well. So it's just kind of a celebration of the arts and allows people while they're at home to be creative and gives them a reason uh, to be creative. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what comes in. And they can upload that on Twitter? They can upload it on any social media platform. Uh, okay, excellent. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook with that hashtag. And yeah, and I gather them all together and then review each submission. Do you have a, do you have a, a deadline on that? When, when they have to be in by? I have not picked a deadline for the challenge. I want to make sure we have a lot of submissions coming in. I had done a similar challenge in the past. And some of the feedback I got that it was too short because the day after it ended, I had at least 20 people ask me if they could still submit a design. So I wanted to make sure that this challenge had more of a long time frame. And once we get um, enough submissions, I'll probably determine a deadline for any last minute submissions and then um, give out some prizes. I mean, it makes sense. Art takes time. It, it takes a while yeah. to ruminate. Yes, exactly. Like I tell you, I looked at some of the submissions that had been tagged uh, through Twitter forum, and there's some pretty baller stuff out there. It's It's really cool to see the creativeness of other people uh, kind of come to life. Uh, so this is a, this is a great concept. It's a great idea. It allows a lot of different creative people to see the creativity of others that they may normally not would have seen. Um, so kudos to you for throwing this together and uh, kind of encouraging people to get their art out there to be seen. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I think uh, I was blown away, you know, by during my first challenge, the, I guess, the variety of artistic media. Um, I did not expect that many different types of media. And, uh, you know, so I wanted to do, you know, another challenge that kind of celebrates all different type of media and art because I am a mixed media artist. Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate, you know, all types of media. So it was really a joy just to see all the creations. Why don't you tell everybody once again where they can find all of your work and see updates on all things Jessica? Uh, yeah, my website is ragsyart.com. That's R-A-G-Z-Y arts.com. 
And uh, Ragsy is a name that was given to me in the art community. I was originally Rags the artist because I would paint murals. I started out being a mural painter and I would paint. um, One of the first things I did with my art career is I would paint uh, window murals in the freezing cold around Christmas time. And I was always dressed in rags. And um, I was known as Rags the artist. And then as I became more and more popular... Um, the name Rags is associated with um, with one of the comic book uh, designers who who draws Spider Man. Oh yes, of course. And um, he, yeah, Rags Morales. So when he typed in Rags the artist, um, he was coming up more often. Oh. And um, I was in my one of my galleries talking about this. And uh, one day I walked into my gallery and they were making fun of me. They called me. They're like, "Oh look, here comes little Ragsy." <laughs> And I'm like, ooh, I like Ragsy. And then I took it. <laughs> I, I took it. Um, so that's kind of how I became known as Ragsy in the art world. And then when I did Lego Masters, I went on Lego Masters as myself, as Jessica. So I combined the two. So that's why I go under Jessica Ragsy Ewood. Jessica, I want to thank you again for taking the time out and coming on and letting us talk to you about your artwork and your uh, yes. involvement in the show. Uh, hopefully... A lot of the things that you would like to have happen between now and that whole Jessica 2040 thing will come to pass. Uh, I want to let you know that you keep in touch with us. You have an open invitation to come back on the show anytime you want in the near future. Uh, The next big opportunity arises or that you create for yourself that you want to get the word out for. Definitely drop us a line. We're always willing to make time for you to come onto the show and talk about it. It was such a pleasure to have you on. Definitely. Thank you guys so much. I sincerely appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to the last few episodes of the show. Yeah, as are we. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty good. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And if you want to see Jessica Ragsy Ewood on Lego Masters, you could do so 9 o'clock Wednesdays on Fox. Rob, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find stuff about us? Uh, you can go to somethingcast.com. That is the repository for all things something. Uh, all the widgets and doodads and, and buttons and whatnot to find us on the Twitter and the iTunes and the Facey books and everything else. Um, our website is there for shop.somethingcast.com as well. Uh, check out all the vinyl by Hatton and the glasses by Rob and the t-shirt shops. Uh, and again, don't forget to go to ragsyart.com. Check out all the cool art and bow ties and everything involved uh, from our great guest. Uh, until next time. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. And now it's time for us to Lego. Later. Something, 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 something. Okay, here we go.